How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to TLDR Podcast, episode 153. If, you, if you're not familiar with my voice, it's because I haven't been around for a couple weeks. Boys have been uh, without me for a couple weeks. I'm sure that the podcast is probably better, to be honest. But hey, I'm back. I'm back. Um, so uh, for better, for worse. Uh, so um, I appreciate everyone, um, you know, staying stay tuned or staying tuned during all the playoffs. It was a crazy ca- last couple weeks for, for me and, and for for sports well i mean i guess the finals were were meh um for everybody because kind of meh but hey that is what it is uh baseball is in full swing tyler uh how 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 are you doing are you still doing some work or what, what's what's going on right now nah season's over uh it's been nice last last few weeks um have been you know just chill got weekends back you know have a, this is my it's a three-day weekend for me so uh first three weekend i've had in a very very long time um, yeah, I gotten a chance to go golfing as I kind of mentioned last week. So, uh, it's been good. So we're definitely officially on summer schedule, which is a lot easier. Um, but I've been fully locked in on, on the college world series though. Um, that's been fun to watch wake forest just beat LSU tonight. So, um, look at, we, we might get a one, two matchup in the college world series final, but there's still a lot of baseball left. So hopefully you guys are tuning into that. Oh, that's exciting. Um, good, good stuff. Um, Alex, basketball's come to an end hockey's come to an end um were you disappointed uh you know did you have an indifferent feeling like what were you feeling what were your thoughts on each of the finals uh i mean i was pretty proud that i picked the nuggets to at least make it to the finals at the beginning of the season shout out to james and his mavericks um (laughs) i will bring that up until we make picks uh you know before this next season um i was kind of indifferent by the time both of them got around um it seemed like both the Nuggets and the Knights were the obvious dominant team in, in both those series. And, uh, you know, those eight eight seed South Florida teams had had a good run and they came up a little short. But obviously the Knights and the Nuggets were one seeds for a reason. Um, and it is interesting, though, because I think the basketball one got really, really good views for like uh, viewership and hockey had awful viewership. So. Uh, hopefully that's not like a sign to come with the NHL playoffs because um, that's a little disappointing. Yeah. I, you know, I've been trying to mull over why that would be the case. And I don't know if it's because it was two, you know, sunbelt teams, like we've kind of talked about, or if it's the Knights and everyone fucking hates the Knights. That's, that's kind of how it goes. Um, But uh, at the end of the day, the Knights were the best team in the NHL and the, uh, the Nuggets were the best team in the ML or in the NBA. I'm saying MLB, Jesus, Uh, James, how are you feeling about uh, you know uh, you know free agency? Is it there's is there is it a lot is it a bit crazier than you thought or is it kind of tame? It's so low key. Uh, I think last year was crazy. Last year's trade deadline was crazy. Last year's off season was pretty crazy. You know the Russell Wilson trade and everything. This year it's kind of eh. So that's why my segments have been very very short. <laughs> well. Well, you know what? Why don't we just kick off with you? You know, why don't we? Why don't we kick off with with as much news as you ha- as you can give us in this off season? What do you have for us this week? So you know, last week we uh, talked about Stephon Diggs, and uh, we thought we, that was going to be done and dusted because he went back to practice the day after we talked about it. It was like, oh, Stephon Diggs is back. So you know, Alex was right. Alex was like, it's just social media playing into it. Was he though? Because Coach said five days ago that they were all good. We're, we're perfect. Everything's back to normal. And then Stefan Diggs comes out yesterday or two days ago. And it's like, I was frustrated by the play calling and my lack of involvement in this offense. Hmm. It makes you really think it makes you wonder how does this go on playing? How does this happen going forward? Like 
what's the difference between Josh Allen and him? Is that going to be okay? How is the chemistry there? Alex, because Josh Allen's your boy, throw it to you. Yeah, so I called Josh earlier, uh, and he said everything. No, I didn't call, obviously. I'm not best friends with Josh Allen. I'm working on it. Um, I mean, I Stephon Diggs is not the first wide receiver to say he's not pleased with the ball not coming his way, and he probably won't be the last wide receiver to say that. There will probably be a wide receiver to say that within the first two weeks of the NFL season this year. So I I kind of think it's still a little bit more blown out of, you know, like the media is blowing it out of the water more than it really is. Um but, and to be fair, like, again, we mentioned it kind of last week too, in that playoff loss, we saw them arguing on the sideline. It, you know, Diggs did not get the ball much in that playoff loss. Um, you want to keep your star wide receiver happy. So, I mean, it seems like a pretty simple solution to just continue work on it during training camp and, you know, maybe even write up or come up with Stefan Diggs specific plays. Like the ball is coming your direction either like, you know, 90% of the time in this play, unless you are very much like double covered or something like that. But, um, you know, luckily it seems like it's still early enough in the off season that this can be fixed. It doesn't seem like he's upset to the point where he wants to like be asked out of Buffalo or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, if you're, if you're a Bills fan, you want this fixed because that's the dynamic duo. So typically there's not a lot of teams that win the Super Bowl who don't like each other or have chemistry issues. Does this hurt their chances of winning a Super Bowl? If it doesn't get fixed, yeah. I still I still think it's early. I mean, it's only June 19th. We have plenty of time before the season starts for them to hash this out. But if this is like if it's first week of September later and you know the season's about to start or we get into the preseason that's still going on, then I would start to be a little more worried. I think right now I'd maybe be like a three out of ten. Okay. Tyler. For as long as Stephon Diggs has been in Buffalo, he's sung praises about how him and Josh Allen are just great. And then after this little incident, that's a complete 180. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's interesting. I think initially my reaction is that Stephon Diggs is being a little dramatic about everything, but as kind of absolute too, it might be being blown out of proportion to the media. We're not in the locker room. We're not part of those conversations. But, you know, certainly when there's a star athlete that's that's begging for the ball or wants more playing time or whatever it is, it always just kind of comes off as a little bit um, high horsey, you know, com- to, no, no matter what sport it is. So that's my initial reaction to it. Um, however, I, you know, he, he's obviously one of the best wide receivers in the game. It's hard to imagine that the coaches aren't trying to get him the ball with plays. Like, I don't think that's intentional. It, you know, that would seem like a really dumb play play or game plan on the, on, on the bills part. So there's definitely just a miscommunication there, obviously, because I, I don't know why you would not want to, you know, get Stefan Diggs as many opportunities as possible. But obviously if a team knows you're throwing a Stefan Diggs every time, they're going to play defense against that. And the better defensive teams are going to do that even better. So obviously you can't throw them every single time. So, you know, the, co- the coaching staff has got to design plays to allow them to win. It can't all just be about one guy, which is that's why it's a team sport. So that's why to me, it comes off a little bit as selfish, from Stefan Diggs end, but again, I, I feel like there's just a miscommunication there that we just don't really know the ins and outs of. But I agree. Hopefully, it gets resolved because I think the Bills have a great chance to win a Super Bowl this year, and obviously, they have to. Their their star wide receiver and their star uh, quarterback have got to be on the same page. Braden, blown out of proportion or real area concern? <laughs> I, I actually went back and forth, but I think there's a little bit more smoke than you know we, you know we kind of want to think, I guess, and, and what Bills fans want to think. Uh, look, we 
Diggs was pretty visibly, you know, angry, it seemed, or at least agitated at, at Josh Allen in that playoff loss. And and I, you would think that after three, four months, that would kind of, you know, he would, he would have time to kind of like, you know, let that subside and get through the, you know, get through it and get over it and get back into, get back into game mode. But he comes, he comes into the, um, you know, the off season and OTAs in it, in a bit of a funk and it's a bit of it. And that does, you know, beg a question is if there is actually something there. Um, and I know the media likes to hype things up, but look, if it, it seems like he's not doing any, any, um, you know, anything to, to calm the waters, so to speak. My issue with it is, you know, he, he seems to have an issue with the play calling. And, you know, if you look at his stats in the last three seasons with the Bills, he's had 484 targets, 338 receptions, over 4,000 yards and 29 touchdowns. That's, I don't know of any wide receiver that's even close to that. I mean, he maybe maybe there's a few, but he's at the he's at the top. He's clearly at the top um, in terms of targets and and his part of the offense. So I'm not sure what he's questioning here. And it was, if you're if you're you know going down to one game, I mean that I mean it was it happens. Uh, you know, it, it happens that he he may not be as part of the offense as he kind of wished. But my, the 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 question I have is does is Diggs as good as he uh, as he thinks he is now it'd be interesting to if you i know you can't do this but i would love for him to go to the raiders for a season and he'll and he'll be the kind of guy that would be crying to go back to to josh allen after after that fucking debacle so calm your fucking tits uh stefan Diggs, because i don't think you're as good as you think you are you're you're, you're being thrown to by uh you know josh allen one of the one of the best uh quarterbacks in the league right now uh, so I, that's, I guess that's my issue about it is, um, he, he wasn't happy with Kirk cousins who prioritized Adam Thielen. Well, now you have Josh Allen, you are the guy and you're still pissed. You're not going to be happy ever. So fuck off. And that is a trade we all know and love. Welcome back trading. Thank you very much. <laughs> Moving on. We're going to, we just talked about a wide receiver who kind of whines a lot. We're going to now talk about a wide receiver who doesn't whine at all. And that is DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a Chicago Bear. Not recently, because this happened about a couple months ago. He was recently traded along with the ninth overall pick to Chicago, where the Panthers traded the first overall pick, or Panthers got the first overall pick. DJ Moore is a good wide receiver, and he's had a lot of turmoil under center in Carolina because they haven't had a good quarterback since Cam Newton's prime. DJ Moore had three back-to-back-to-back 1,100-plus yard seasons, and last year he had... 888. I mean, granted, again, shoddy quarterback play, missed a couple games here and there, but he is a damn good wide receiver. And Justin Fields has come out recently and said, wow, the chemistry between me and DJ Moore has been great. And it came on really, really fast. Traded, what is your outlook for DJ Moore this season? How is he going to play with Justin Fields under center? Look, I actually, I want to look at this, not just for DJ Moore, even though that was the question, because it's more than that. It's, it's, it's how does this entire offense kind of, you know, transform, uh, DJ Moore, I think is going to fit nicely with, with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields has had receivers of his type in his, in his, uh, you know, uh, weapon case, so to speak in, uh, all the way through college. And, you know, he, DJ Moore is going to now come, come onto the field and, and command a little bit of respect from defenses. Uh, you're going to, you're going to see more defensive, uh, you know, focus on DJ Moore, which is actually going to open up those other, those other ones for opportunities, Mooney, Komet, Clay, Chase Claypool, among others. And you'll also have DJ Moore that is also going to be 
the DJ more that's good for what a thousand yards a a, a a season or whatever it may be. Um, I, I think that the stability, you know, I, I just, Justin Fields, we know we have question marks about, but he's clearly getting the help that he needs in terms of the weapons. DJ Moore is only going to enhance that. And, and I think that there's going to be a nice connection there. And even if there, even if there's not a connection there every single, every single uh, Sunday or whatever it may be, it's going to open up the offense for more opportunities. And I think that, the, that the, the uh, overall, the Chicago bears offense is going to get better. DJ Moore is going to have a great season and, and I love it. So do you think this, this offense, this Chicago bears offense, that was the team that rushed the most, had the most rushing yards last season is in a, go more to throwing the ball rather than rushing the ball. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think that if you, when you add in a weapon like that, that it, like I said, is good for an average of a thousand yards per, per season. That, that is just going to just change your, it, it's going to change your offense. Um, he, he's going to be targeted more. And, and, and again, it's, it's going to alleviate the pressure on, on the, those others as well. So I, I think you'll see the bo- the ball flying through the air a little bit more. Justin Fields is going to th- show us what he can do um, in the air. Alex, trading things are going to pass the ball more is Justin Fields accurate enough as a passer to pass the ball to DJ Moore. right now. No, uh, I think there's a reason why the bears threw the ball the least out of any, anybody last year. Um, you know, they averaged 22 passes a game. The bears did while like, you know, Tampa Bay 45 on the other hand, T- to be fair, that's comparing Justin Fields to Tom Brady. So it's not exactly the most fair thing in the world. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it will skew slightly more towards them passing, you know, maybe closer to like 30 times a game, but Justin Fields' best attribute is his running ability. And unless he takes, you know, huge steps forward with his accurate passing, I don't see how, you know, more can be more than what he was nailed it. Um, like I, I, I think he's still going to be good. I think it, this is still an upgrade for that offense. And I think the offense should be better but there's a reason why they had the number one pick because they were trash last year. I think we talked about this a while ago and how the bears won the off season already. I don't, we, we shouldn't be like, you know, crowning them, uh, NFC North champs yet or anything. I still think they've got a ways to go. Um, and I, you know, I think DJ Moore will help. And I think Justin Fields, you know, as he, uh, progresses will, that will get better as well. But I don't think that it will overnight change everything for this bears offense. Tyler, give me your outlook for DJ more this season. Yeah, I, I kind of agree more towards what Alex was saying. I, I think that there's definitely, I think he's going to help the team. The team's going to be better. I think DJ Moore will probably be happier in Chicago than he was in Carolina. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields is the best quarterback he's probably played with, but that's not saying much because they're in Carolina. There wasn't a, a lot of great quarterbacks in that system either. Um, you know, I do think people are probably overhyping the matchup just a wee bit because I just think that, like I said, Justin Fields is initially known for being an elite passer. He's a very athletic quarterback that runs the ball a lot too. When we are talking about, you know, fantasy implications, you know, that's certainly not going to, you know, bring his value up super high. Um, but I do think that it's going to be a good fit. And like I said, there's a lot of kind of we'll see, like, are the Bears going to pass more? Can Fields improve his, his passing game? Obviously, DJ Moore is definitely, he, I think he's going into his fifth year. So he's a, you know, he's, He's, he's been around the league quite a few years and I think he knows how to play at a very high level. So I think it's got the potential to be very good. But like I said, based on what the bears have shown us previously, I don't know if this is going to be like the dream matchup that some people are hyping it up to be, but I do think that it's definitely going to make everyone there better. And so I'm really curious to see how high that they can go. Okay. So we kind of talked a little bit about DJ Moore fantasy wise. 
Let's talk about Justin Fields fantasy wise. I know Traden likes this one, but Justin Fields is currently going as QB six, 53rd pick overall right now. With the addition of DJ Moore, Traden, is his value too high or too low or just right? <sighs> I mean, I, I think it I think it helps support the six the sixth level. I mean, I still think it might be a little bit high. And and I know I just kind of went on a spiel and said that they're gonna be great, but I, <laughs> Justin Fields has has it, it, you know, when it comes to fantasy, it's, it's a show me league and he has, and he hasn't really showed us much. I think that it helps support the, the six pick and maybe, maybe it's a, it's a tad, maybe one, uh, one spot, uh, rich for me, for me, but it, it's, it's better than it was. That's for sure. Alex, number six, overall QB too low, too high, or just right. I'm going to say too high. Um, I think we're getting a little bit of Kyler Murray S could potentially turn. We saw Kyler. He was great one year and then he got D hop and we're like, okay, he's going to be QB three. And then what was he last year? QB 50. So, I mean, he uh, did tear his ACL, but yeah, well, even before he, even before he was hurt, he was not. And you know, obviously D hop was suspended, but I, I would say more like QB eight or nine. Um, you know, I still think fields is young enough. He's also just a bigger human being than Kyler Murray. So that helps, but, um, yeah, maybe like eight or nine. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I think he's just he's being ranked just a little bit higher than what I think his actual value is. So yeah, I would bring him down two or three spots, kind of like what Alex is saying. But you know, I think he, this Bears team—it's exciting. They got a lot of potential. It could that could easily change. But I think based on what we've seen so far, I think six maybe just a little bit too high. But maybe more like as I was saying, between like seven and nine, probably a little bit more fair. Okay, I like that. And our last topic for football—we're going to stay on the offensive side of the ball, but we're going to talk about running backs and their lack of importance and value after the rookie contract. Because honestly, like, guys, after your rookie contract is over, it's really hard to get signed to that massive contract that every other position gets outside of, like, Saquon, you know, outside of Christian McCaffrey. It's tough. And even right now, Saquon's having trouble getting another deal. J.K. Dobbins is having trouble getting his deal. James Robinson just signed a two-year, $4 million deal with the Pats, then got cut. Running backs are just not that important anymore after their first contract are they getting phased out tyler start with you yeah i mean i don't think they're necessarily getting phased out but i think their value obviously has decreased a ton you know i think i saw that uh somewhere a stat that they are the lowest paid position in the nfl by far and it's not really that, that close which is crazy because you know, i think we grew up as kids like running backs were like you know one of the most important positions like some of this like on the cover of madden like i think like they're almost always running backs you know, and they were, they, it was just such a huge deal. And, you know, I think every sport kind of goes through these transitions where, you know, certain things are valued more than others right now. The NFL, the last few years has trended towards a, hot, a heavy passing game. And that's where the, where the, where the money's going right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a concern and it's something that needs to be addressed. You know, looking at the finances, I was trying to, you know, read up of like, okay, how, how could you fix this financially? There's a lot of fancy words. I don't really understand finance is not my, my, my strong suit, but, um, it's definitely a problem. Like you don't, you obviously the running backs need to, you know, be compensated because it, it's, it's important. And it's a huge part of the game, whether it's valued highly or not, you need to have a good running game to be a, a successful football team. It, it's just kind of how it goes. Um, so it's, it's an issue. And I think it's going to continue to be an issue until something dramatic happens. Um, whether it's, you know, kind of the, I mean, I think the current CBA and NFL right now is like, goes through 2030 so i don't think there's going to be any major changes in terms of rules in terms of how how money is allocated but um certainly it's definitely a problem um 
And based on what we've seen so far this offseason, it's only gotten worse. Um, I don't know really when it's going to get better, how it's going to get better, but you know, it, it's, it's definitely a huge concern for the NFL because I mean, the NFL needs running backs and obviously the running backs need the NFL. So they got to find a middle ground somewhere. Alex, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? Are they getting phased out? I don't think they're, I don't, I think the older guys are getting phased out. Um, I know, I think a lot of it is running backs obviously take a beating. Um, and I think there's a lot of horror stories on, young guys who have been successful getting the big deals and then it going poorly for their teams. Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, just to, to kind of, uh, you know, off the top right there. And it's, you know, the Emmett Smith, the Ladanian Tomlinson's like don't really exist anymore. And it was even before this issue of, you know, getting a deal after your rookie deal has expired. Uh, it's been a passing league for a decade now, like the, the running back, importance and and especially the like running back by committee is becoming more and more popular because they take less of a beating you know there's only so many derrick henry's out there and by so many i mean literally just him um <laughs> so i don't i don't you know i, I agree with tyler well, i don't think it's they're necessarily getting phased out because it's definitely still a part of the game and you see teams you know really succeed with the running game but you know generally they get hurt more they don't last um, as you know, as long in the league and it's, you know, it's much wiser to give, you know, spend more money on, in other places. If you're, if you're a team, um, you know, especially any guys with injury histories, it just, it makes it tough. But, uh, I, you know, so again, I don't think they're getting phased out. I just think the way that the league and fans look at running backs are, is changing. Payton, would you agree that having a good running game is a sign of a good team? Yeah, I mean, how many times do I fucking say that on this podcast? <laughs> exactly. So then what are your thoughts on this? Um, My thoughts are, I think the boys kind of have already kind of, you know, established it. First of all, the game's changing. I mean, while I do say that establishing a running game is, is important, <laughs> it seems more and more that the game's being played through the past now. It's just, be, it's just more and more becoming a thing. We're, I mean, we're seeing it, you know, year over year. Uh, another big thing that, you know, the committee thing, I think is, is an important one, but another big thing that I think we're also maybe not, um, you know, appreciating is how many teams have had a good, and look, I look at things in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a return on investment type of way. And the, the return on investment for many, te- for many of these teams that are signing these big contracts have not been great. I mean, besides maybe Derek Henry, but, but other than that, I mean, look, look at the, look at the big signings we've had in the past, you know, five, five to 10 years, uh, you know, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, they signed these huge deals and then they were absolutely terrible after that. And it's not that they're bad players. It's just that the, there's wear and tear in the body They're They're be given a, when you're paid that much, you're being, you're being paid to be the lead guy. And so you're taking every single, almost every single snap that you can, you're, you're, you're probably playing too many snaps. You're play, you're getting hit too, too, uh, too many times. And it just didn't makes a wear and tear. Uh, it just puts wear and tear in the body. So I think more, more and more teams are looking at ways to, you know, spread the wealth of the, of the running, running game. And at the end of the day, if, if your offensive line is not, is not strong, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to establish that running game that you're supposed to. So more and more teams, I think are paying the offensive line so that they can have a, so that they can have may, maybe less uh, talented running backs kind of fill, fill the gap. And they're able to, they're able to establish the, the, the game that they need to. Now I'm not, 
you, you don't need to have a, a guy that runs, you know, 20 yards every carry. You don't need a guy that to do that. And, and it's showing that, you know, you have, when, you know, the Titans have Derrick Henry, they haven't really won with him. So <laughs> that the, the, you need more than that. And offense and, and offenses are just too dynamic, you know, through the air, uh, you know, uh, um, among other things. And, and um, I, I just think that the value of the, of that position of the, of the, we'll call it the, uh, uh, the ace uh, running back is, yeah, it is dying because there's just the game's changing, uh, and and there's different ways to establish a running game than just one guy. I like that. That was a very coherent answer, and that's my segment. Thanks for listening. Thank you, James. Uh, I kind of just thought of that in the spot, um, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, uh, we we appreciate. It. I'm looking forward to to talking more football. At, um, you know, as the summer progresses, hopefully there's there's more to talk about in the coming weeks. Uh, I know you'll be doing your your. Uh, your your setups or season previews in a in a in a few months or a couple months not even a few months it might be six weeks or something um so it seems like it comes out of nowhere uh so we appreciate that we're going to take a quick break when we come back alex is going to talk to us about one trade in the uh, in the nba and he's going to be taking us to a game that we have no idea what it's about so we're very excited for that uh so stay tuned for that Trade alert, Alex. Um, Bradley Beal has been traded, and I think that that's been the biggest news of the day, at least, at least, uh, at least on my feed, unless the last couple of days. Um, and you also taken us through a game, but you wanted to talk about the NBA, this NBA trade. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, we weren't going to talk about the NBA at all. We were just going to do this this little game, um, but then this news dropped, and I was like, well, I feel like we have to talk about it. So yes, Bradley Beal has been traded finally from the Washington Wizards to the Phoenix Suns, um, along with a couple like G League guys. Um, going back to the Wizards is Chris Paul, who is most likely going to be flipped and or cut. Landry Shamit and multiple second round picks and multiple pick swaps. Interesting trade to say the least. Uh, you know, the Suns now have like five guys on their team um, under contract, and they're going to be over the uh the salary cap sooner rather than later here so there's something else is going to have to go down in phoenix but uh james we'll start with you thoughts on the trade this new big three in phoenix um is this potentially the end of deandre ayton in phoenix what do you think about the wizards hall just your all your thoughts on all the things all the things that is a very broad question <laughs> uh, i like this trade for the Suns, and people are going to be like oh but now the Suns have no depth what do you mean? They just traded away CP3, a 39-year-old point guard who always got hurt, and Landry Shamit, who was trash. <laughs> Come on, man. What do you mean they have no... It's it. The exact same team. Subtract two players, add an all-star, bada-bing, bada-boom. Like, it's... This is a great thing for the Suns, right? Because with CP3, he was never healthy. Like, you can't... You can't... It's like Kawhi, right? You can't count on him to be there. Like, it's, it's not happening. There's no use paying a guy like that to run your offense like that. When you can get Bradley Beal, who can score. I think CB3 would average, like, nine points a game. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, he can pass. Great. Cool. So can Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal can also score. Granted, he hasn't had 30-plus point game per averages for, like, three years now. But there was a point in time where he was a 30-plus point per game scorer for the entire season. And this last couple of years, he's kind of gone downhill, like about 23, right? But he's still a, a very willing passer. 
because the last couple of years he's had the freaking unicorn Porzingis on his team. So there, that's why your offense went down. If he's given the opportunity, he will succeed in the scoring department, but he doesn't need to. He can facilitate an offense and be healthy, and he's younger, and he's just an overall more fun player to watch than CP3 and his big-ass eyebrows. <laughs> it's just easier that way, right? I don't know what else did you ask <laughs> What else did you ask me? <laughs> that's it. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I actually disagree. I don't like this trade for the Suns. Um, we saw that. This was their issue, was the depth issue in the playoffs this year when they lost to the Nuggets. Now they have even less depth. Um, that's a lot of money for three and a half-ish guys. I, I think DeAndre Ayton is probably out. I think they will trade him. He's got like a $32 million cap hit or something like that. Um, so I think they're going to have to trade him to get to get more depth. I mean, I don't, they only have five guys under contract right now. So something's obviously going to happen. They literally only have five guys on contract. Yeah. Yes. So they had six before this trade happened. Yeah. Yes. But now they've just, it's, and, but, they, but they've taken on more money or like it, almost the same amount of money. So I think they've gotten, I mean, obviously I would take Bradley Beal at this point in his career over Chris Paul. But that's just that's a lot of ball handling on that team. I'm not sure how all how, how that is all going to work. But Tyler, um, what are your thoughts on uh, your Washington Wizards? Kind of forgot about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bradley Beal away um, to the Suns and uh, yeah, how he will fit there. Yeah. So I mean, from the Washington Wizards angle, I think, you know, for what they got back for trading away, you know, arguably your franchise player uh, was pretty shit. Um, so obviously the, I think the wizards, I think it's been kind of coming for some time that they're going to start a rebuild and just try and start something different, but they didn't really get a whole lot back. I mean, they got a, you know, CP three, you know, aging point guard, um, you know, and, and like, what was it? A second round pick? Like, dude, I feel like you gotta get it. You gotta get at least a first rounder for Bradley Beal, um, you know, or, or, you know, something down the line. Um, so I think that what they got in return was not that great. I think they could have done a lot better. I don't know if they were asking around, which is the best they can do, or if they were just lazy. I don't know what, but I think the front office is going to regret this coming down the line. I think they could have gotten a lot back in return. Um, I think for the, yeah, for the Suns angle, you know, I think they definitely got better. Obviously, Bradley Beal is a huge upgrade from CP3, but they're going all in and they're putting their chips all in one basket. As you guys kind of mentioned from a, you know, a cap perspective, you know, so I think the, the downside of this now is that there's not a lot of wiggle room to make a lot of roster adjustments if need be, if guys get hurt, if things just don't work out. So they just got to hope that this starting five is like elite and works together well. And if it doesn't, and they win a championship, it's all worth it. If not, the Suns could be uh, hurting for many years to come. Okay. I like that trade in same, same thought. And do you, you know, would you now consider the Suns, you know, the potential front runner in the West? Um, maybe depends okay. um, and when we'll get there um yeah. there's still in, ter a lot in terms of the return for bradley beal uh to tyler's point i you know what actually this is very similar to the um to the patrick kane trade the no trade completely handcuffed <laughs> the the washington wizards they had no choice but to take the best offer and you know be, and that bill that beal was willing to say yes to so that's kind of how that happens. So um, the no trade can 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 really hurt you uh, in in cases like this. Um, you know, in a vacuum, I think this trade looks fantastic. I mean, it's a great starting 
it, it's it's one of the elite best. It could be one of the best uh, trios in in the NBA to collectively with uh, with Booker, Durant, and Bradley Beal. Um, you know that that offense is is formidable. Um, uh, if they do if they do keep Aiton, um, it, you know, with the help of Frank Vogel, I think he might be able to be the defensive help they need. If everything goes right, yes, they're going to be great. Reality, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to fucking happen. There's no depth here. Um, that's my, that's a big issue. Uh, Bale is, is, is getting older. Um, he's expensive. They have $723 million, uh, locked up between, between, uh, four players through the 2027, 2028 season. The problem with this is I believe the NBA just is working on, or if they, maybe they have signed a new collective bargaining, uh, uh agreement, which actually discourages this type of payment for players. The, uh, the luxury tax is going to be higher. So if this goes awry, the owner is going to freak the fuck out because he doesn't want to pay money to a losing team. Uh, they have to fucking win now. Um, and, and because the, the because, you know, owners aren't going to, aren't going to be okay with that type of, with, with that type of payment for guys that don't live up to what they're supposed to live up to. There's no wiggle room. There's no, everything has to go perfect for it to work. And, and that's the biggest problem here. Um, uh, if it, if, and if that happens, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to streamline to the, to the, to the finals and they'll be great and they'll win whatever but it has to go perfect and that's the problem and there's no there's no um you know th- there's no wiggle room and the, and the problem is, is we just saw an nba team win without a big 3 with that has a full team all the way de- you know depth down all down the lineup yes they had uh jokic but beyond that they don't have this type of trio they weren't even close to this type of trio and they Kind of dominated the, fi- the the finals, if not the entire playoffs. So, it's very interesting. I thought this would be more of a copycat league, but clearly, I was wrong. Yeah, I kind of think the big three is something that's leaving. I mean, you could call like Steph, Clay, and Draymond a big three, but they did very different things. Steph and Clay scored. Draymond was defense and an instigator. And you you know you look at these other teams and the you know the the Heat. Jimmy and Bam, the Nuggets, Jokic and Murray, the Celtics, the, you know, uh, Tatum and Brown. So like, you're kind of seeing, you want two superstars and then depth. Obviously the Suns have uh, ignored that and gone three superstars (laughs) and nobody else. So we will have to see, I mean, really since the heat LeBron big three, I think was the last time we really saw a big three that was all, you know, you know, very much like scoring ball handling in the, in that way, but that heat team still had a ton of depth and the Suns team does not. So we will, we will see, obviously the Suns still have a lot of work to do before next season starts. Okay, boys, it's game time. Here's what we're doing. I'm going to test your guys' knowledge on your specific sport trading. We're starting with Ooh. you because yours is on the top of my page. Oh, I picked, I have three players. I am going to list off the teams in the order that they played with those teams and you have to tell me who that player is. Uh, James is going to kill at this and his no, bro. This is this. I saw this on John boy. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to, I, you guys know who all these players are. You'll be fine. They could be retired. They could be active. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> oh, man. You do have uh, three options pins. So pay attention. You can ask me what position they are the years in which they played and or started their career or if they're still active and the team that i think is like the most prominent team that you would think 
of them on. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Trade in round one, baby. Also pay attention because some of these guys play for a lot of teams. Hey, what a question. <laughs> yes. If Trayden doesn't get it, do we open it up to the floor and get points if he doesn't get it? How does I mean, work? I wasn't, it was more of just like a play against yourself type of thing. I wasn't really, I didn't think about the points aspect, but if Trayden doesn't get it and you want to guess, go for it. You can get a brownie point. I like brownies. He likes brownies. So. <laughs> brownie points. <laughs> oh, okay. I suck at this. Trade him. No, they're, these are all hockey players. They're well, all I know, players but I'm... Players, dude. One of these guys has played on the Oilers. So, not this guy. Okay, round one. Trade him. He started in Pittsburgh, went to Washington, the New York Rangers, Philly, Dallas, Boston, oh, New God. Jersey, Florida, and then Calgary. This guy must have sucked. And then Calgary. Yes. So I'll say it again. Pittsburgh, Washington, the New York Rangers, Philly, Dallas, Boston, the New Jersey Devils, Florida, and then Calgary. Oh. And for hints, you can ask me their position, the years in which like their career started and ended, or the, the team that I think of them as the most prominent. All right, give me, give me the most prominent. Uh, okay, the most prominent is the team he started with, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You 100% know who this is. I don't know why I can't think of it. I should have I should have done a time limit so we're not here for um, You know what? It, uh, it, I'm drawing a complete blank. I I, I mean, I, I I can't even think. No. Go, I mean, what is it? Uh, well, Tyler was very wrong by saying this was a bad player. This is Yaramir Yager. Just an oh, all-time shit. great. Oh, my I God. God all-time great Yaramir Actually, now that you... Because you said Florida, I should have... Ah, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Round two, trade. And here we go. Or do you guys... Should we go... Do you want you guys want to do your round ones? Yeah, we should go round one. Okay. James, round one for you, my friend. Let's do it. Okay. This player started with the St. Louis Rams. That's a little bit of a hint. Cincinnati... Buffalo, Tennessee, Houston, the New York Jets, Tampa, Miami, Washington. And again, you can ask years, the most prominent team, or what position they play. Position. Quarterback. So St. Louis, Cincy, Buffalo, Tennessee, Houston, the New York Jets, Tampa, Miami, ended in Washington. I guess that's a hint. You guys are terrible at this. Uh, Sean Mannion. Oh, this is, oh, does anyone else want to guess? No, that is incorrect. This no. is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, oh man. Man. <laughs> man. Man, this is good. This yeah. Is good. Okay. Ty, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Pay attention because this is a lot. Oh, started, started with the Cubs, Baltimore, Boston, Cleveland, the Angels, Yankees, Boston again, Oakland, the Dodgers, Minnesota, Tampa, Mets, Boston, a third time, Pittsburgh. Holy shit. Yeah, you might want to like write. I'll have to figure out a way to what? send these to you guys so you can look at position. A lot. This is a pitcher. Can I, I guess if you guys need more hints, just ask me more hints. Okay. What uh what team is most prominent on? I think you'd remember him most for the Dodgers, which interesting. He's got a fun nickname. I'm gonna just give you guys more hints because you guys suck at this. He's got a fun nickname, if that helps. He's still active. Started in 2005. So he's a current Pittsburgh Pirate. Can you repeat the order again? Yes. Cubs, Baltimore, Boston, Cleveland, Angels, Yankees, Boston again, A's, Dodgers, 
Twins, Rays, Mets, Red Sox, Pirates. Is it Rich Hill? It is. This is Dick. Wow. Let's go. (laughs) Nice job, buddy. Right. Oh, my gosh. Trade in. Don't have to remember as many teams this time. Okay. So this person started with the Atlanta Thrashers, went to the New Jersey Devils, the Los Angeles Kings, Montreal, and then Washington Capitals. Uh oh. Okay, so so Thrashers, Devils, Thrashers, Devils, Kings, Canadians, uh, Capitals. I was getting. No, it can't be him. Um, are they active? They are not active. Oh, great! And as a hint, there was a break where they were not in the NHL between the Devils and the Kings for like five years. Oh, um, I don't know, Danny Heatley. No. Anyone else got another guess? Simone Gagne. And the only the only other one it could be maybe is um uh what the hell? Oh, why am I blanking on his damn name? Um like you're, you're probably gonna say it and, and, and I'm blanking on that. This is a Russian Olympic hero, oh, Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh, oh, because the devil I should have asked what what prominent team and you would have said the devils. I probably like, would have said the devils, yeah. Ilya, I actually didn't know that he started in Atlanta. That's that I didn't. Yeah, know. it was like two year, two or three years in Atlanta, and then a bunch of years in New Jersey. Went back to Russia, and then had those like funky years. That's after. right. Oh, the Kings, because he did go to the yeah. Kings. He came <laughs> back inside the Kings. Yeah. All right, James. Uh, you know, I'm just going to give you the years because you guys are struggling. This person uh, came into the league in 2007 and left in 2021. Uh, okay, started in Minnesota, went to Arizona, New Orleans. Washington, Detroit, Tennessee, and ended in Seattle. Uh, position? Running back. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> it's so brutal, too, because, like, you you know who this is. It's this one. Okay, started, started in what team? Started in Minnesota. That's the most team that he played for in 2016. <laughs> Probably still Minnesota. And he's a running back? Yeah. And ended with Seattle. Ended with Seattle. Went So Minnesota... Arizona, New Orleans, Washington, Detroit, Tennessee, Seattle. Some of those teams in the middle, he was on two, like those teams twice or like in the same year. He did like four games and then got Adrian cut. Peterson? This is Adrian Peterson. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was too. Yeah, Peterson. It is wild when you look at his like career yeah. and think that he went to all it, of those it, teams. It's crazy. These players like, you're like, wow, they went to all those teams. Yeah, you just know like they're like a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Ty. Yeah. This person started in 1997, ended in 2018. Started in Cleveland, went to Montreal, Chicago White Sox, Angels, Boston, White Sox again, Yankees, A's, Mets, Braves, Minnesota, ended with the Rangers. What's the position? This is another pitcher. What team is he most prominent on? Um, I think you'll remember him most as a Met, but his biggest success was with the Angels. Angels. This was 2005, I think was his like really good year with the Angels. But you're going to remember him most yeah. for something he did with the Mets. Can you do the order one more time? Yes. Started in Cleveland, Montreal, Chicago White Sox, the Angels, Boston, White Sox again, Yankees, Oakland, Mets. Braves, Minnesota, Rangers. Pitcher, 1997, finished in 2018. Trying to think, Angels in 2005. 
They're pretty good back then. He okay. I'll give you a hint. He won the Cy Young for the Angels in 2000. I think it was 05. If not, it's like 0304. It's right somewhere right in there. There's a guy I have in mind, but I don't think his career path is what I think it is. What you're saying me, but I'm gonna just get. Is it John Lackey? It is not John Lackey. Oh, wait, so that many think he was right. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is big, sexy Bartolo. Oh Colton. shit. The homer off James Shields and the Padres as a Met. I think I forgot. Was, I forgot he pitched for the Angels. To be honest, dude. Yeah, I think I think it was 05 where he won the Cy Young. Okay, trade in. This isn't someone who's still active, and notably is the most active player who's played for the most teams. Cool. So prepare yourself. Started. <laughs> <laughs> this one's probably the hardest one in my opinion. Uh, started in Columbus. Went to the Rangers. Ottawa, Pittsburgh, Florida, Colorado, Islanders, Arizona, Philly, Edmonton, back to Ottawa this year. Edmonton back to Ottawa this year. Or, well, he didn't come from Edmonton this year, but he was. He was signed year. with us. That, okay, so he, he was, was formerly in Ireland. Formerly in Ireland. Then he went to the Ottawa Senators. And yeah, he started playing. in the 07 08 season. Damn. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on every hockey player's name. Dude, this is hard. Like, I, I don't trying. even think I could think, I don't think I could just say like the best players on, in the league. I can't even think of a name. I can't even think of a name right now. Um, <laughs> I'll have to figure out a way to like have the logos visualized for you guys. Cause I think that would <laughs> really see, Yeah. See, with it, for next week, I'll, I'll have it all figured out and I'll like share my screen. Cause that will help. He signed with the Ottawa Senators this past year. He's a center, in case that helps. <laughs> so, so, he's, right so he's AHL at best because if we we have no center depth. Um, um <laughs> it's gonna be another name that I think I know. Um, uh, did you say he would played with played for Washington? He did not play for Washington. Oh, so uh, starting in Columbus Rangers. Ottawa, Pittsburgh, Florida, Colorado, Islanders, Arizona, Philly, Edmonton, Ottawa. I think he got traded from Philly to Edmonton in case that helps in the 2022 season. Let me double check. Oh, um, son of a. Yes. Well, I don't know if he was traded, but he played in the 2021-2022 season for both Philly and Edmonton. To be fair, he only played 15 games for you guys, so that doesn't help. Him to <laughs> I I'm gonna bang my head into the wall, but I I I can't even think. You're gonna have to give it to me. Okay, this is Derek Broussard. Oh fuck, he he did play for the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> I mean, this he wasn't so prominent. Clearly, Derek yeah, Broussard. That's tough. That one. Don't even think he played in the playoffs. The other two, you should have gotten. I should have. <laughs> All right, James. Your last one. This guy started his career in 1989. Oh my God! What are you supposed? To, what am I supposed to do with that? Calm down. He played for the Atlanta Falcons, the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, Washington at the time Redskins, and finished in Baltimore in 2005. Um, say it again. So Atlanta. That's okay. probably his most prominent. Uh, San Francisco, Dallas. Uh, 
Washington and Baltimore. There was a break in there for like five years too, in between Dallas and Washington, I believe. Position? Cornerback and wide receiver. Deion Sanders? This is Deion Sanders. That a boy. Nice. I mean, like the, that, the position gave it away. <laughs> yeah. And then he was the point, I was for one year at prime time. I remember that. Literally yeah. one year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Ty, last one. Let's do it. This player started in 2003 and ended his career in 2017. He started as a Milwaukee Brewer, went to Seattle, Arizona, and Tampa. Started as a Brewer. Go do that one more time. Brewers, Mariners, D-backs, Tampa. Tampa Bay Rays. 2003 to 17, Milwaukee was his most prominent year. Okay. What uh, position? He is a second baseman. That wasn't who I was thinking of, so that threw me for a loop. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most prominent with Milwaukee. Yeah, I would say the Seattle, Arizona, Tampa years are uh, very minimal. He's probably the second baseman for the Brewers for like 10 years. Oh, God, which which means I should know who this is. 100% you should know who this is. Yeah, yeah, fuck. Um, I'll give you some more hints if you need them. Yeah, throw them to me. Uh, big home run hitter for a second baseman. Uh, well, only a one-time all-star. So we played for Milwaukee from 03 to 2014. And then one year at the Mariners, one year at the Diamondbacks, one year at Tampa. At one year, one time hit 29 homers as a second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. (laughs) (laughs) This is tough, man. It's tough, dude. It's hard. Next. Yeah. Next time I'm going to, I'll, I think visualizing the teams would help. I had to write down that last is he line. is he still with the Brewers organization anyway? I think so. Yeah, I don't know 100, percent but I I think he is involved with them. Oh, that doesn't help. Okay, um, why'd you ask then? All right. Okay, hint. He uh, in his playing days had dreadlocks. In case that helps. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I was screwed. <laughs> God, who is this motherfucker? Um, pretty good. Pretty good second baseman. I mean, those were a lot of like really average. I don't ever remember a player in Milwaukee with dreadlocks. Do you want me to tell you who it is? Yeah. This is Ricky Weeks. Holy shit. <laughs> you knew that. Yeah, I do now. Yeah. Man, right. dude. That's that it. Tough. Ricky Weeks. I will come up. I'll maybe I'll have to come up with some easier ones. I didn't want to pick, you know, like Ted Williams played for the Red Sox from 1939 to 1950, whatever. <laughs> People have moved around. You should a bit. have done Tony Gwynn. You would have uh, said that. I would have been like a Padre from 1983 to whatever, and you would have been like, huh? No, I would have been 20 win. I would have got that one. I, okay. we'll, we'll see next week. Maybe we'll do something. <laughs> all right, Alex, I love that. I think we all need to brush up on our respective histories, except James. James killed it. Um, but uh, I I definitely do. I was I was all over the place. Um, I love that. Um, I hope we you bring that back next week. Um, yeah, I will. We'll make it easy. I'll make it easier. <laughs> good, good. All right, uh, we're going to take our last quick break, and when we come back, Tyler's going to take us to the MLB as we sit here June 19th when we come back. Welcome back to the final segment of this episode 153. Tyler's going to take us through some MLB stuff. We're already talking a little bit about all-star stuff, but there's a lot of other things going on. Tyler, take it away. 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we we did all star starters last week, and we're going to get to the uh, the pitchers this week, which aren't voted by the fans, but we want to kind of see what the boys think of who deserves to be um, on the pitching staff for the American League and the National League. But before we get to that, I want to talk about something. One of the most interesting storylines that we've seen in baseball for a while. Uh, the Oakland A's fans did a reverse boycott last week on the Monday night game against the Tampa Bay Rays. At Oakland Coliseum, uh, 27,000 fans showed up, more than triple their season average, uh, really to kind of show the ownership that, hey, like it's not, you know, the fans that are a problem, it's that you guys don't want to spend money. So the fans showed up strong and and it was it was awesome to kind of see that that outpouring. Um, and, and obviously it looks like things are trending towards Oakland leaving or the A's leaving Oakland uh, to go to Las Vegas, but the the the, the fans are certainly going out with a bang. Uh, if you guys haven't watched the videos of it, you do yourself a favor and and just and it, do it. It's it's one of the most amazing like just people getting together all together and doing something pretty incredible. There's moments of planned silence, so there was like just zero crowd noise for minutes uh, going on, and then it would just follow in by chance of sell the team or or stay in Oakland, and it was so loud that the pitcher couldn't hear his own pitch calm. Um, it, it was, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, the A's ended up winning that game two to one at the time they, they extended their winning streak to seven games, which is pretty crazy for a team. That's probably going to, you know, have one of the worst MLB records in, 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 history this season. But, you know, I just want to get your guys' kind of general reactions and thoughts of this reverse boycott. I think, I think it's one of the coolest things that we've seen from a fan base ever. Um, Alex, you worked at Oakland A's games back in the day. Uh, so I think you know this fan base probably probably better than anyone else on this podcast. So your your just general thoughts and reactions to seeing this reverse boycott last week. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, you know the the A's and the you know the relationship with the city and the owner has been tumultuous for years at this point. Um, and you know obviously they are just continue to sell sell any valuable piece they have and just break it down. You know I think that. Um, John Fisher, the A's owner, has really is really just been trying to, you know, sell the sell the players off. Fan don't show up because the product on the field is terrible, and he's just trying to get them to Vegas. That's been the plan all along. Um, and I think that what the fans did, because Oakland, you know, when the team is good, is one of the best ballparks atmospheres. The ballpark itself still sucks, but the atmosphere is fantastic. Um so I think I thought it was great, you know, and it's, you know, it's still a little sad that, you know, that's their 27,000 is a big night for them when they're averaging, you know, 9,000. But uh, it just, it shows that, you know, the community still cares about the team. And, you know, if, if the team cared about the community, they would, you know, try to put more money into it and, you know, try to make this team a little more successful, but um, super cool night. And I, I believe the A's um, donated a lot of the, uh, proceeds from that, from the game to like local charities, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, for a team that apparently is money starved, even though I'm pretty sure the owner's worth like 2 billion. So, uh, cool, cool thing they did there. Yeah. Super awesome. Uh, I did, you know, I did get a chance to go to one Oakland A's game in my life and I agree with you, Alex. It was one of the coolest atmospheres of baseball game I've ever been to. It was probably one of my favorite to, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, it was like, it was the A's and the Astros, I think. Um, but I just, I had a great time. It was awesome. Uh, James, what are your general thoughts and reactions to this, uh, reverse boycott? I thought the reverse boycott was cool. I like the fact that it was fan led and had ownership and nobody part of the organization had anything to do with it. That's thought it was kind of ironic because 
they're showing the owners, they're telling the owners to sell the team and show the world that the problem is the owners, not the fans. But the that morning that they did that, like three hundred, the city of Las Vegas approved like three hundred million dollars towards building a new stadium in Las Vegas. So it's kind of sad, like like it happened on the same day. Kind of took away some of the fire from this reverse boycott. But I love the fact that the A's fans were able to do this and show out, and like the A's had something to play for. They were in the midst of a winning streak. They had just what they just swept the Braves, and now they're taking on the best team in the league and have won the two games out of it. That was really cool. Seeing the pitcher, I don't even know who pitches for the A's, but like real emotion. No one does. Like <laughs> because of the crowd. That was incredible. And Tyler, you had mentioned that the crowd was so loud that they had to turn, turn up the pitch comp. For a long time in Oakland, the crowd was so minimal, they had to turn down the pitch comp because everybody else could hear what the pitches were because there was non-existent crowds. So this was a huge change of pace and I thought it was really cool. I'm sure the A's themselves loved it. The players loved it. And like Alex had mentioned, I love the fact that all the proceeds have gone to charities. Like that's a really cool concept. And uh, Manfred comes out the next day and was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the, the owner's a problem. Yes, he is. You just saw it right there. He is the issue. That's all. Yeah. Rob Manfred. Uh, I have, I got nothing nice to say about that guy, but uh, <laughs> trade in your general thoughts and reactions to uh, all this. Um, I thought it was cool. I mean, I, I think it, it was, I think it was nice to see the fans come collectively come together and, and completely fill the stadium as best they could. And, and, you know, get, give ownership and, and, you know, the, the like, you know, a piece of their, you know, of their collective feeling. And I think that that was, you know, that was cool to see. Um, I, I, I don't know what it, it's going to, uh, unfortunately, I don't know what it's, what, what uh, will end up happening, but, um, I think, I think, I think it's, we all believe that, it, it'd be it'd be great if John Fisher would just sell the team so I could stay in stay in Oakland, but that is probably not going to happen. Although it probably should. Yeah, it's one of those unfortunate realities of the world we live in, where I you know majority of the people do not like this. You know, the fans do obviously do not like it. Players have come out outspoken the last couple of weeks and saying they don't like it either. You know, even even player like Bryce Harper from Las Vegas you know, saying that it's a terrible idea. You know, he say, he says, you know, if, if Vegas should get a team, it should be an expansion team. Um, and he pointed out a great point how, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, they're born in Vegas and, and that city and that area really rallies around that versus the Raiders who just moved there. But no one really, no one in Vegas really gives a shit about the Raiders. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to build a fan base from that. Um, and I think the A's are going to struggle with that too. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where that goes. And unfortunately, um, you know, like I said, the majority is not going to win this case most likely because I think, you know, the people who are in the power are the minority and that's just unfortunately the way, way the world works. But good for Ace fans, man. I think it's great that they went out with a bang. They they let their voices be heard. And I thought that was one of the coolest fan organized moments I've ever seen in in, in, in sports. So, um, like I said, you know, no, no matter what happens, that was one of the most memorable things I've, I've I've ever seen. So again, if you guys have not seen the videos, definitely go check that out. Um, eerie, like when when it was silent, it definitely re- reminded me of, of that 2020 COVID season when there was no fans in the stands. It was like it gave me some chills. Not 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 great, but it was awesome though. Um, all right, let's move on to some play on the field. Uh, we got some National League teams. The National League wildcard race is turning into something, or the National League postseason picture in general is turning into pretty much anyone's game right now. There's a lot of teams that you know, Dodgers um, who are, are kind of slipping a little bit. 
Um, but we got three teams that have made a push here late, go on some big win streaks and have moved into the postseason picture. We're talking about the San Francisco Giants. They've won seven straight entering this week, uh, currently sitting at 39 and 32, which just came off their sweep of the Dodgers this weekend in, in Los Angeles, currently sitting in second place in the NL West, three and a half games back of Arizona. And they are, they, they are currently hold the second wildcard spot. Uh, we're also talking about the, the, the Philadelphia Phillies who have won six straight. Um, there are 38 and 34. They are just one game back of, of the wild card. And then we'll, the third team we're going to throw in there is the Cincinnati Reds, who have won eight straight games. They're currently 37 and 35. They are second place in our center, which is a half a game back of Milwaukee and only two games back of the wild card. Um, so a lot, you know, a lot of teams in that race. If you look at the National League postseason race as a whole, it feels like 80% of that league is in and it has a shot at making the postseason. But of these three teams who have gone on some hot streaks lately, which of these three teams do you have the most confident confidence in that they can sustain their success moving forward? I'm just going to go around the horde and trade and who do you got? Um, I, I think we also should throw some, some love to Miami. I mean, they, they've gone five in a row and they're, and they're sitting uh, four and a half games back of the top of the NLEs in their second um, ahead of your, of the Philadelphia Phillies who we, who you mentioned, but um, I, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll respect it regardless. I think, um, you know, what we saw, what we've seen from, from San Francisco, I think is what is surprising because it's kind of similar to that situation. Uh, you know, to that situation we had like what, two years ago where they kind of came out of nowhere and just kind of came together and things were working. Um, I know that the LA Dodgers were, are injured and i know that they're a little bit ailed and i'm sorry that that was a rough uh, three game streak although we were all we all smiles here in the in the reed family uh boys um uh i, I just look at the nl west and it's very interesting to see arizona at the top and and and, and you know dodgers and san diego just struggling and and, and, and I think that that, that the struggle within the division, I think is going to help San Francisco, uh, a lot here. And, and I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, I, I think that they can ride that. I also think the reds are close because I do think that, uh, you know, be, being, being first in a division, that's not very great is, is, is definitely, is definitely uh, a big, a big help. Um, and between, so I, I'm just going to say the San Francisco giants. I like, I love the way they looked uh, against the Dodgers the last few games. Cause I actually got to watch those games. Um, cause Kyle's family was here. Um, and we were able to watch the feed and they looked very good. Um, and I'm not sure if it was the San Francisco playing well, or if it was the Dodgers, you know, just trying to dealing with their issues but um I, I i like to think the the former um a little bit as well and i i think san francisco is going to kind of be able to ride this train they're getting great pitching they're getting uh they're getting solid uh, uh bullpen pitching as well hit the hits are the hits are there um and right now they're live against san diego and i was just going to ch- uh check the uh the score but uh, I, I i just i just Four, yeah, there we go. So that so things things might be slipping, but it's it's tough to go uh, for uh, you know eight games in a row and four games in a row against very hard divisional rivals. But I think the Giants might have something going on here. Yeah, you know the Giants. If you throw it back all the way, you know for the last month, I believe they've had actually the best record in baseball. Um, so it's yeah. not it's not just this current seven game uh, um, win streak they're on. They 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 played very well over the past month, they just got off to obviously a, a, pr- a pretty bad start, but you know, the, the giants, like you said, I think they're, they're, they're a decent team and it's, they're not too far removed from that 106 wins when season, you know, so they got some pieces there that, that, that know how to win some baseball games. So, and like I said, that NL West is very interesting right now, but um, Alex kind of, of the, of these three teams, which team are you most confident in consistent their, their success moving forward? 
I'm actually going to agree with Traden. I think it's the Giants. Um, they've played they've played really well. Uh, their pitching is is kind of uh, a little bit ticky tacky. Like they're kind of sticking it together as they go a little bit. Um, but I think they'll be they'll be a team that's looking for pitching in the at the trade deadline. Um, you know, Marcus Stroman, Lucas Giolito, one of those guys that seem pretty inevitable that they could potentially get traded. Um, and it, they just they. The Giants, you know, other than last year where they had a lot of injuries, a lot of downtime, they're, you know, overall a very well-run organization and generally know how to win. And I think Farhan Zaidi and the rest of that, you know, general managing team can can push it. And, you know, I think kind of what Trey mentioned, like, you know, the Dodgers have worked, have taken a step back this year. They're very hurt. The Padres are not playing up to snuff. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks are obviously having an incredible year when none of us thought, you know, they thought we thought they'd take a step forward, but maybe not lead the division. Um, and with the NL Central just being trash, I think the Giants have a have a real shot to at least, I don't know if the Giants can necessarily win the NL West, but I think they are definitely a playoff contender um, and a team that's obviously is playing really well. And I think I think they have the best chance to kind of stick around. All right, James, throwing it to you. You know, uh, we've got two guys thinking the Giants will move forward. Do you got one of the, those other two teams, or do you agree with the other guys? I I disagree with the other guys. Um, I okay for some reason, like I mean, I'm not the best baseball mind, but as soon as the Carlos Correa thing fell through for the Giants this last offseason, I had in my mind like they aren't really built to contend that much. Like they're having a great season, they're having a good month, yeah. But it's like who they beat? They only have they've. The last couple of games, they won the series against the Dodgers. Cool. That's the only good team you beat. You played the Cards and the Cubs before that. Awesome. The Reds, on the other hand, I don't think they're built for success either. They're full of new talent. Like all these new guys, like L.A. De La Cruz, like sooner or later, the book's going to be out on them and pitchers are going to be throwing different pitches to them that they have to now change. And that's going to be different. Now you're seeing big league pitching that is finding you and now you got to adapt to that. That's going to be odd. And them too, like, They've only really played one good team the last couple of games, and that's the Astros, which they swept. Cool. But before that, it was the Royals and the Cards. The team that I really think is built for success is the Phillies. Like, I mean, they've, they've been a contender. They came into the season with the with the expectation of contending. Bryce Harper is out. This time, Trey Turner. Trey Turner is picking it up. I, a couple weeks ago, I was like, Trey Turner has been an awful signing. Like, you're spending so much money on this guy and he's not producing. But this last month, he started his, his batting average at 236. He's brought up to 247. That's hard to do mid midseason like he's doing now. And he's even brought his OPS up 40 points. He is starting to produce again. And because he's producing again, the Phillies are winning again. And the people they've been playing recently, they took two out of three of the Dodgers, three out of four for the D-backs. Those are two good teams right there. Not just one, but two. And, of course, they swept the A's. The A's who were hot, who had won series against the Braves, who had won series against the Rays. Like this Phillies team is, has had harder competition lately and has come out on top and they were built to contend and they've always had this expectation to contend and now they're finally fulfilling. All right. I like that. You know, like I said, and the, and the team that of those three, you know, made the, they went to the world series last year. So uh, again, a team that's, it's built and they know how to win with, with what they got. So they just got, maybe got to find the right formula formula at, at the right time. Uh, it's really interesting guys. This is just, it's been a weird year. Uh, I think, I think the, the rule changes for sure, I think have been more of an effect than I think we thought. I think you see a lot of the teams that have a heavy veteran presence, you know, teams like, you know, Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, Mets, 
those teams are struggling. And I think partially because maybe of these new rule changes versus young, younger teams that have more young talent that have been living with these rules in, in, in the minor leagues, you know, uh, Arizona, for example, uh, Pittsburgh are really, are really playing a lot better. And I think that there's more comfortable in this new environment that the MLB has, has implemented it. I don't know, you know, I, that seems the, be more of a factor than I think we thought it would. So um, it's, it's been a weird year and I think it's going to be exciting, man. I think, I think this postseason race on both sides in both the AL and the NL is wide open. There's, there's very few divisions that you can really definitively say that team has a lockdown. Um, it, it, it's going to be very, very fun to watch. So uh, we'll see how these teams keep going, but I, but I, I think it's going to be a great second half of the season. So let's get to the, um, the all-star um, nominations here. Fans can't vote for for for, for pitchers, but we're going to vote for who we think that we that should go. I said, let's give me your, your top five from the American League and the National League that deserve to be in the Austin game. There there will be more pitchers on on the roster of the Austin games, but I want to I just want to get your guys' top five. They could be start they could be starters, relievers, doesn't matter. Just five pitchers uh, that you think deserve that All Star nod. We'll start in the American League and we'll start with James. Who's your top five in the American League? I definitely went all starting pitchers. I hope that's okay. But I went with Shane McClanahan, Tampa Bay. Guy has 11 wins, crazy 97 Ks. Nathan Eovaldi out of Texas, like the new ace for the Rangers because of DeGrom being gone. Plus, he's been amazing under one whip. Framber Valdez out of Houston, his six and five record honestly does not do him just for while he's pitching 2.27 ERA. Garrett Cole is having a phenomenal year. I mean, come on, like after, even after all the sticky stuff allegations and everything, like, Seven wins, 1.1 whip, 2.75 ERA. Hard to argue with that. And last but not least, this is my favorite out of all of them. His numbers don't necessarily back it up, but it's Kevin Gossman. He has over a three ERA, but 11 quality starts, which is great. And he leads the AL and pays by a ton. He's at 121. Just a great dude overall. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great pick. Um, Alex, who do you got for your five in the American League? Yes, I went uh, pretty similar with some of the guys. Um, Shane McClanahan has been just an absolute monster. Um, Nathan Eovaldi and Framber Valdez are, uh, you know, the other guys that match with James. I went with Sonny Gray. Um, he's having an incredible season in Minnesota. Um, I think he's second in ERA, uh, third behind McClanahan and Valdez. So he's having a monster season. And then I thought about Garrett Cole and then crossed him off because fuck that guy. Um, and I went Luis Castillo because the all-star game is in Seattle and the all-star game doesn't matter. So I picked Mariner because I thought that was fun. Fair enough. We had the whole conversation last year about if Kershaw's to start the all-star game for that exact same reason, home crowd, got to make it happen. He did. So we, we made that happen. We made it yeah. happen. Traden, you're five in the American. Holy shit. I don't feel as much of an, like I'm an idiot. So, uh, all, cause all the guys said that my name, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Uh, except one, uh, Shane McClanahan, uh, is at, at, at number one, I have Garrett Cole in there, uh, Luis Castillo, Kevin Gaussman, who's been absolutely great for, um, you know, for the, for the Jays and it's just Homer and me show. Hey, it's just, it's just a Homer thing, man. I mean, I can't blame you for that, man. That's there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I went McClanahan, Eovaldi, Sonny Gray, Valdez, and, uh, Gaussman. I, I just like seeing guys like the, like the strikeout leaders. I like seeing those guys in the Ulster game. So that's why I went him over Cole, but that was definitely a hard one. Obviously I think there's, I don't, I can't remember the exact number of pitchers on the roster, but it's definitely more than five. Eric Cole will definitely be in the, in the Ulster game. No doubt. Um, so let's move to the national league top five pitchers. Alex, what do you got? 
In the National League, I have Zach Gallen of the Arizona Dimebacks. He has been incredible all season, especially at home. Uh, Marcus Stroman of the Cubs. He's also having an incredible year, potentially getting traded. I went with Bryce Elder of the Atlanta Braves. I did not go with Spencer Strider, even though he strikes out a lot. He does not pitch enough innings. I'm out on Spencer Strider. Pitch more innings. Help your bullpen. If you're supposed to be the ace, I'm out on you. Clayton Edward Kershaw. Still doing it. Top 10 in the ERA. Top 10 in strikeouts. The guy's a monster. And then I went a little bit off the wreck here. Mitch Keller of the Pittsburgh Pirates has having a breakout season. Same thing. A lot of innings. A lot of strikeouts. I would rather have him over Strider in the All-Star game. Also, because like, just shout out to the Pirates for having a good season. I like those picks. Uh, Traden, who's your five in the National League? Well, for uh, for risk of getting hit by uh, by Alex here, I have Spencer Strider. <laughs> <laughs> I have Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, uh, Homer in me, Clayton Kershaw, and I'm just kidding. No, but I do say Clayton <laughs> Kershaw because he's doing amazing things at this at uh, this ripe uh, young age that he actually is not. And Marcus Stroman. All right, and uh, James. Uh, with Stro for sure. I mean, 13 quality starts is really hard to argue with. Amazing. Zach Gallen, D-back success is crazy. 100 Ks. Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Edward Kershaw, I should say. I mean, how can you not have him up there? It's like not having Mike yeah. Trout up there. Who, by the way, Mike Trout's finally starting to hit again. FYI. Like, cool Jesus. Thing. We did that too. Yeah, we did that too. Thank, yeah. you. Thank you, podcast. Thank you, TLDR Bump. Um, Spencer Strider. <laughs> I okay. He doesn't pitch a lot of innings, and his ERA is at four. But I just love his strikeout numbers are insane, man. That guy throws gas. Like it's it's incredible. Ball, but he doesn't pitch enough, and he gives up runs. Yeah, but I mean, it's fun to watch strikeouts. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of that. And then my last one is Hunter Green. His below man, like the the man can pitch over 100 easily, and he's a starting pitcher. Crazy. Cincinnati's doing great. He's part of that success. 100K is 1.35 whip. Almost a four ERA, but damn, he's good. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, the National League felt was a little bit more tricky to pick a top five, but I think, you know, the the, the big two for me, Stroman and Gallon, I think are kind of the, the, those top two guys that you got to have in there. Um, I went Mitch Keller as well, Alex. I think, you know, I think you, you got to reward some of that, you know, Pittsburgh magic that's going on there. I think he's having have a phenomenal season in, in Pittsburgh. Um, of course I went Kirsch, um, because he's my boy and I got to throw Kirsch in there. He's having another all-star year. Like he usually does future hall of famer. And then I actually went with Logan Webb, uh, the Dodger fan pick the giant on this one. I think Logan Webb has been one of the better pitchers the last, last few years. He's having another great year. He shoved it against us this, this, this weekend. So a little bit of, of recency bias, but I was like, damn, I forget how good Logan Webb is. He, he, he's a phenomenal pitcher. And I think he has the stats to back it up to be an all-star this year. So I went Logan Webb. Um, for my fifth spot. So, uh, yeah, so we'll kind of see who gets, uh, nominated. We're getting closer and closer to the all-star game, uh, coming up, uh, the, the middle of next month, but, uh, that's what I got for baseball this week trading. All right. Thank you very much, Tyler. Um, yeah, Logan Webb did have a great game against you guys, <laughs> but I don't want to rub it in too much, <laughs> but, uh, that that's all that's all we have for episode 153 um i hope we hope you liked it we hope you liked the little game and played along with uh with alex there i think he's going to be bringing that back um i'll be bringing back either a game or or some something else that we can start talking about um maybe not trivia based but maybe it's something that we can have some fun with um to kind of fill the fill the time here in the summer um as you know as hockey's not 
I don't want to think about hockey for a while. I'm actually kind of over hockey for a bit, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so we really hope you like this week. Um, tune in next week for, for another great, uh, you know, great b- baseball talk among other things. And, um, we hope you guys stay safe and have a great, uh, great fun, uh, upcoming weekend and, uh, we'll see you next week.